That's how you sound. I say sabotage. <laughs> You're listening to Around <laughs> Comics, episode 262, brought to you by InStockTrades.com. Chicago, this is Around Comics, the comic culture podcast, where each week a revolving panel of guests talk about everything in and around the world of comic books and comics culture. And Around Comics, once again, is recorded at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you are in the area, please drop by. Hey there, folks. Christopher Neesman here. <laughs> we of all sound so, you're so we're all we're irritated. For the previous oh, episode. Oh, just, oh. Yes, uh, episode uh, 261, Major Technical difficulties and we're ready to go now i'm I'm recharged here i'm gonna have a shot of whiskey the good yeah you you go ahead and we saved the good part oh absolutely no it's just uh some attempts at voicemail didn't work out so i blame the voicemails we we rushed the ending i blame i blame (laughs) the fact that we solicit feedback yeah (laughs) <laughs> it, that's the thing. It's like, it, the, it the, never this, works out. This show, never works out. This show is doomed to never play another voicemail ever again. We got but, that uh, phone number. <laughs> no one's ever gonna get on the air because it just the bad luck. I, you know, I, it's, can't fight it's, fate, it's, it's my a friend. sign. Let me, let me get everybody introduced here. Uh, Tom Caters, as Hi. always. Hi, yes. Tom. Hi. Shake off the negativity. Yeah. Shake. Yeah. Let's get loose. Yeah. Okay. Let's have fun um, today. Next is the voice of Word Bloom, Mr. John Suntress. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Good Thank you for you. having me. It's a pleasure, as yeah. always. Thanks Thank for you. making it back from last oh, it's week. My pleasure, as always. Glad to be back at Dark Towers here. Exactly. Um, and uh, uh, next is uh, uh, a guest formerly known as Tiny Hank. And he ain't uh, tiny no more. He's not grown. tiny anymore. I've grown. Hank. I've grown. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Yeah, Hank, good to be back. Hank is back. You know what? You know, I was thinking about this um, uh, uh, coming in today because you, you you told me you were gonna you were gonna drop by and, and sit in with us. Uh, we've been doing this for for a day or two now. We're about five years into the show, and and we've known you for about three or four years now. Oh, yeah. And you know, uh, you were like a sophomore in high school whenever yeah. whenever we met you, and and, and now today you, you're sixty five years old. Yes. You're you're a, you're a freshman at Columbia College now. Yes, your uh, first year your film student and uh, we always used to make jokes about you know Tiny Hank and you are not you're not Tiny Hank anymore you're, it's, you're making me feel old you son of a bitch there will always be a part of me that is Tiny Hank that is Tiny Hank yeah, yeah. Hey, so man, that's between you and your maker always, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear about that there, Jesus, always, there will always be a part of me that looks down on Hank <laughs> but no it's no uh, it's it, it's good to see you man we uh, yeah, thank um, you uh, uh, just uh, kidding Hank Mike, Mike Norton get your, get your hand off my leg Mike, Mike Norton and and Sal and I um, had uh, had the opportunity uh, to uh, be part of your first uh, student film. Is it your first student? Yeah, film? yeah, the it's yeah a, first one. Yeah. What'd you shoot, man? I uh, what was it about? I uh, it's about uh, uh, gambling and cool. My buddies here played some gamblers at a casino table. Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sal Sal was very kind enough to uh, loan us his fist. Full, <laughs> his fist. There is an action action part and. Uh, he brought a huge table, about a thousand chips. He was very, very helpful. Oh, were you, like able, to, were you able to convince Chris not to look directly into the camera the whole time? Not the whole time. I was, Sal would make I was an excellent. Good. You were great. Boss. You were great. We got a close-up on you. You look beautiful. Was Sal the pit boss? Because he would make a great pit boss. I could Sal see is the like, one that throws the punch. 
Uh, there you go. Exactly. Yes. No, you want Sal to throw the punch. Yeah. That's good. I no, like that. Sal, and he knows how to throw a punch. Yeah, I've seen exactly. Him yeah, Sal, Sal's the guy who uh, who wins on the all in mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, and has to put a, a spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. For yeah, this. Hey, he has to put film. a guy down. Yeah. Wow. But um, we're shooting it, and and Sal has to punch his guy. And he does it. Tell me he it, punches Norton, please. No. Oh, that'd be perfect. But he he punches a friend of mine, and I call cut. And they, everyone just looks at the guy that Sal almost punched, and Sal grazed him, and he's like, "If I got any closer, I, <laughs> I would have clocked him." Yeah, I would have clocked, <laughs> clocked him. Sal looks so concerned. That's yeah, good. Yeah. great. Like, are, are, you okay? good. Yeah, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Very funny. <laughs> it was it was awesome, but uh, you know, definitely want to hear a little bit uh, about uh, being a first year film student yeah, sure. a little bit later. But uh, first of all, I, I need to uh, let everyone know that this episode, as always, is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. We're waiting for the trade has never been easier. InStockTrades.com is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, omnibus editions, absolute editions, essentials, showcases, and more, all at great discounted prices. And remember that all orders over $50 do, in fact, ship for free. Um, that's all at InStockTrades.com. And you just heard our book club selection on, uh, broadcast on uh, Hellblazer Dangerous Habits. And then Tom revealed his pick, which is the first pocketbook of Strangers in Paradise. Yeah. So you can pick that that's up. Like for those in the know, SIP is a little sip. Sip. So you can get, get some sip. You can, sip. you can get sip volume one at instocktrades.com right there. now. Sip All right, guys. Um, the purple um, drink. Let's, uh, let's talk some comic books. Tom, I yeah. told you today, I've had my cranky pants on, that you were going to have to carry the show. So I think you got... I'm not used to that. Y'all, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. But um, you, you got you got all excited and uh, and got a wow. big old pile I got as of excited books. as I usually get. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I, uh, first thing I want to talk about was uh, The Unwritten. Have you I guys have, been reading I this? I have. It's uh, excellent. From Vertigo, written by uh, Mike Carey with art by Peter Gross. Uh, I think I talked about the first issue of this. Yeah, it was a great first issue. Yeah, and it has continued to be extremely strong. It's about a, uh, um, as a quick recap, it's a guy whose dad wrote kind of Harry Potter, but named it after, let's imagine the guy's name is Harry Potter. So he's been kind of living off the fact that he's the quote-unquote real-life Harry Potter. It's like Bobby it, Taylor. It, 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 yeah, yeah. And then yeah. showing my age, I and and even though you're right, I, I was thinking too, like Christopher Robin from like the Winnie the Pooh books. Yeah, because, I could see that. Because A.A. Milne's son was Christopher yeah. Robin, and he resented so dad doing that. We have this too. guy whose dad created this fictional universe he's named after. He's been pigeonholed his whole life. Now he's in a situation where the things from the book are starting to become real. And he doesn't quite know who he is. He's been kind of exposed, sort of a fraud, but not really. Like in that first issue, he's at a convention, yeah, and the guy stands up and says, "You're a fake." It's not like mm-hmm. something he did. He didn't really know where you know who his real from. parents were. Uh, this is a standalone issue, uh, which deals with the fact that uh, one of the previous issues, Tommy Taylor was at a gathering of different writers of genre writers, and a bunch of the genre writers got murdered, and he was <laughs> framed for the murder. So he's in this uh, like French prison, and it deals with the um, the warden of that prison and his family, and it deals with the fact that the warden's kids love these Tommy Taylor books to the like degree that it affects their lives. And I thought it was a really cool story, sort of, because we live in this age where people really, I I guess people have always really gotten into shit, but, like, these kids, like, it affects the daughter so much that it 
she gets suspended from school because she pokes a kid in the eye, like almost takes his eye out, like casting a spell to defend herself. And she has a hard time determining reality from uh, the Tommy Taylor books. And the dad is sheltering her, saying the kids should be able to imagine whatever they want. They we got to protect that. And now it's starting to tie into the story where she's going to go save Tommy Taylor and cast the doubt about whether and you know what part of this is real and what part isn't but i i it really resonated with me in the idea of uh, of how people can so put themselves into the stuff they read whether it's harry potter or batman or spider-man or a vertigo book that they're reading that when people love fiction sometimes they put themselves so much into it that uh, it is too far. It is too much. It is a little weird, a little creepy, but that's part of the excitement of reading fiction is putting yourself into that. And it was a really cool standalone story that fits into the overall story, but uh, furthers the plot as well. And it's, it's been a, a really pleasant surprise. I'm a little bit under the radar as far as the Vertigo books go, but I think it's one of the strongest books that's been uh, that's been coming out and it's been a tremendous amount of fun what issue is that this is number eight have they they have not released yeah, a, say, there first hasn't been a trade, trade yet, has there? there has not been a trade I wonder if they're going to do what they've been doing with Xanadu when Man of Xanadu first started it's they, like it was ten, ten issues ten issues and then yeah. they released the trade yeah, yeah because it hasn't, there hasn't been a clean break yet yeah. in, the, in the storytelling it's all been sort of the same story and Tommy Taylor is re- running into like Frankenstein you know like fictional characters hmm. that have come to life that are like trying to tell him things and people it's it's all about paparazzi and fiction and and, and stuff like that so it's, it's been really pleasant surprise it's a cool. tradi- it's a traditional in a good sense uh vertigo kind of story i think you know, you know yeah. something that would fit in with the tim hunter stuff and the even previous mike carry things like lucifer and things like that i, I really know i like the unwritten a lot and again it's funny that you say Harry Potter, and I'm sure that is what's on the mind of people. But yeah, I mean, just just knowing, yeah, yeah, just knowing that story about A. A. Milne and Christopher Robin, yeah. the real Christopher Robin, and how much he really hated the fact that his father kind of made him this, because so many people would just come to him weeping what? and yeah. saying, "Oh God, you what's know, Winnie the, the Pooh like?" Well, and just and literally just <laughs> he said, didn't oh, do it. It's not yeah, like he didn't it, make it. And yeah. yeah, it was really just you know a character that was just based on his name, and yeah. really he had no connection to it, and grew to really <laughs> detest the character. And his I dad hate for Winnie it. the Pooh. I hate that. <laughs> fucking bear i hate eeyore i would kick piglet down the street <laughs> so it's a great place to start and tell a, a unique story in the way that mike carrie normally does no it's i like uh, the cool. a lot. well i i have been uh, i've been remiss in reading it i've been waiting for the trade on that i'm one of those guys uh, um, you're ruining the industry i know i know it's me uh another uh, another book that i that i trade weight on but, yeah but yeah. I decided to pick up this single issue because I, I was not willing to wait for it. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, it it shot to the top of my list of best single issues. Was it issues. a beacon of light? In it, the- it was a beacon of light for the comic industry. Um, my favorite issue of, of the year to this point has been Jonah Hex number 50. Really? It wow. was awesome. Yeah. It was just... No, yeah, I want to get rid of that. Oh, what? 
I, I need to read that. Oh, it's so good. Hank, you're on. Well, oh, God damn. Hank, you're. I'm, I'm texting. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I've been. I've, I've, Hank's I have been picking up the series monthly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, excellent. it's excellent. Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Justin Gray, and this one is drawn by Darwin Cook. And uh, Darwin Cook is just. Uh, he's always fantastic. So but, Jonah Hex at the end, like, is happy, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and the town loves him. Yes. <laughs> and everyone and, loves him. Uh, yeah. And, and, and he and gets it, the girl. And his face. Is healed. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, Don't want to spoil it. He looks just like Clint Eastwood. Oh wow. Today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are no, they the, doing? Fifty one. Uh, ah. th- this is uh, this is a perfect Jonah Hex story. There is uh, there's revenge and violence and and justice and and just terrible terrible horrible things happen to people. Um, it, it, it's a fantastic western, and and it's everything that that a standalone Jonah Hex story should be. Um, what I love is is how Darwin Cook uh, draws Tallulah Black, who is a great character, mm. and she and Jonah Hex are they're they're just cut from the same cloth, and they're so perfect for each other in a way that they will never be with each other. Mm-hmm. And this is so clear in this book, but. Um, um, it seems know. like they save a lot of the really exceptional scripts for Darwin because just oh, like uh, last so year good. when uh, Hex went to Canada, yeah, that was like a really cool the one in the snow. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's Very you know it, no, and I'd be right. I mean, Darwin is perfect, uh, a perfect guy to draw Jonah Hex. It, 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 it's it's Jonah Hex uh, fifty, and yeah. there are um, you know, kind of there's so many little threads that that run through the story, but one of the major you know um, uh, threads that does go through it is that is that there there are fifty um, fifty bounties that that Jonah Hex is approached to to hunt down these these fifty um, these fifty men with with prices on their on their head and and that that kind of runs through the story and and what they do to to kind of you know get together to, because they know that hell is coming on a horse and, and what they do to, to battle Jonah Hex. And, and you know, you just know going, going in that, that, you know, Jonah is, he's a force of nature that is not going to be stopped. And I, I'm, I'm not going to give it away, but there is a splash page at the end of it that is the most awesome, grizzled, image of Jonah Hex that you could ever ask for and that it's Darwin Cook doing it. It's just like you stop there and you're just like, okay, that is fucking awesome. It, it, yeah, it was it was right a there. It, it was a great it was a great Jonah Hex issue and Jonah Hex is a great series. And if you ever thought about jumping into it or if you're a Western God, if you're a Western fan, you need to be reading this book. It was it was Awesome. With the exception of the last if arc, if you haven't, if you're a Western fan, you're not reading it. You're just a stupid asshole. Yeah, really. Pretty pretty well, I was going to say, <laughs> pretty much. Really, with the exception Dude, of that last six issues story arc, they wrapped up with 49. Uh, Jimmy and Justin have been very specific about doing the book the way that it was done for a long time in Weird Western yeah. Tales too, in, in terms of one and done stories, and um, and literally have been getting the the best artists they possibly yeah. can from. Jordy Bernay. Jordy Bernay has been there. Uh, Ronaldo, uh, and it's, I don't know if it's Gudis or Gudis or whatever. Yeah, man, unbelievable. I mean, that's the thing. Wonderful South American artists, wonderful European artists. Um, Michael da- uh, David Michael Beck has been in there. Luke Ross has been in there. Who, and- does, who doesn't love American Westerns? 
Well, you know, Americans. It's, you know a couple of weeks ago on on, on <laughs> your other podcast, Eleven O'clock Comics, I, I heard mm-hmm. Vince kind of saying that he wants DC to kind of publicize it more. Let's face it, comic book westerns, it's not 1960 anymore. Yeah, it's not 19. Actually, I should say it's not 1955 anymore. The because yeah, it's it's a, it, they don't. But the good news is for the There's people a movie that do, coming out. Yeah. there is a movie yeah. coming out, and the the powers that be at DC understand the value of this character. I mean, he's a distinct Western hero that is about to be exploited in a, and it looks like a good way. They got you know Josh Brolin playing him. They've got I forget who wrote it. I, I've somebody oh you know uh, Matt Singer from IFC, uh, one of the movie critics was telling me that the guys that wrote the Crank movies uh, with Never Jason Statham. Thank you, thank you, Hank. Attaboy. That's why we got the film guy here. Exactly. <laughs> no, they, they they wrote the script, and all indications are that it is you know going to be a good movie. And much like I think when Hellboy came out, uh, for everyone that ignored it and never really thought about the character, and for people that will be exposed to Jonah Hex for the first time in the film, they will be able to go and find several volumes of new. Jonah Hex material great, with beautiful great, art and wonderful stories. stories. Yeah. They get it. They they plot Jonah Hex in a lot of ways like a weekly Western TV series. Yep. And in fact, Jimmy has said it time and time again that as great as the film is going to be, it would be a better uh, television yeah. show. And I think he's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So the it's, show, a great, it, it's a it's a great it's a great comic that I think years from now people are going to look back and go, "Wow, Jonah, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray's Jonah Hex was a great series." But yeah. by the same token, pick up the uh, showcase because really, oh, John God, John Albano so and, oh, and uh, oh. Tony DeZuniga oh. and, and Tony's uh, drawn a couple issues yeah. here and there of the of the current Hex runners too. Great that, stuff. That, that's the thing about those showcases is that not all of them hold up incredibly well. I mean, there's. They're, Are you saying world's finest? Well, I'm, 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 I'm saying that there are a few of them that, that. that are of a period, and they may not be the you circus uh, triplets. They may not hold up so good. Haunted but, Tank. But there, there are two showcases that that I've read that I, I know the other one you're going to say is Jonah Hex and Batlash. Yep. Yep. And that, then Batlash is only ten bucks, and it's oh, thin because there weren't that many ba- Batlash stories. Such a great, great, yep. and I really like that format because it was kind of like a half a showcase. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was much smaller than the than the phone book style. Yeah, there's only like twenty. If there's twenty stories in there, that's oh, it. Oh, great stories! But great. yeah, they're excellent. Yeah, stories. I mean, no, and it's beautiful Nick Cardi art and. Oh. If you're a Western fan, pick up that Batwash showcase. It's fantastic. Well, all those non-superhero genres uh, that DC was doing in the 60s and 70s, um, really, and and even in the 50s. I mean, Robert Kaniger, and you know from his Flash stuff, but really, you know, give him a war story or a Western. I mean, the guy really knew how to write. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those, like, 11-page stories are actually really good. And the art is beautiful. Well, so why, I mean, totally worth picking am, up. You look at the you look at the uh, the Silver Age comics, mm-hmm. and and uh, the superhero stuff feels dated. But you look at stuff like House of Mystery yep. or Haunted Tank or Jonah Hex or Batlash, and those really <laughs> feel like like timeless tales. Yeah. Well, they, they they hold up so well. Well, and I think, and, and I know for in the case of the war books, um, you did have adults still reading it, and mm-hmm. and you had creators like Russ Heath and Joe Kubert who were very and Kaniger who were very serious about maintaining the quality. And and remember that generation, Russ Heath, is that so post awesome. that post war generation. There were a lot of adults that were still reading those books mm-hmm. and stuff. The 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 superhero comics were written for a ten year old audience. It was, and and that's why they are kind of hokey and they don't hold up as well.
Now, now uh, Hank, as, as an uh, aspiring filmmaker, as a young man, as a as a, as a young as filmmaker, an AFM, an aspiring filmmaker. Um, do you do you like old westerns? You like westerns, Hank? You like gladiator movies? Hank? I do, I do, I don't, I, I don't you get like gladiator um, movies. <laughs> it's it's a it's a recent. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Interest, interest for me. Uh, which I can, guys, which huh? I can thank Sal for. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, what filmmakers are you watching right now, Western wise? Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I'm getting into the John Ford stuff. There you um, go, that a boy. Uh, the Eastwood stuff that he directed in like the 70s, like cool. Uh, the uh, but I mean the the classics. I I I was never I never watched westerns when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's not. They, they, I, I'm I mean, not that, there weren't that, that many that, good ones. Yeah, none of my friends. None yeah. of my friends like my. That, age that's Saturday and Sunday afternoon cable TV stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, but uh, when you're not watching Legends of the Seeker, like <laughs> me and your wife, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's me. You check out Legends of the Seekers on. <laughs> Gotta get the popcorn ready. I'll get the, I'll get the popcorn. Oh, uh, one, Once Upon a Time in the West is one. Of the, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, Leone, I need, yeah. Uh, the Sergio Leone stuff. I, I've seen the Dollar Trilogy, but I need a oh, cool. Yeah. So so good. So yeah, John, you, you can start with John Ford, and there you go. Mm-hmm. Hey, have mm-hmm. you seen the Searchers yet? Yes, incredible. Yeah, great. incredible. A lot better than that. I, I I was expecting something so much different out of the westerns, and then I saw it, and they just blew me away. Yeah, well, and I thought they were just gonna be boring as hell. And for audiophiles, uh, I love I love the the television show Gunsmoke, but my God, the radio show Gunsmoke was incredible and really? so well acted. Some good fo- some good foley. Truly, Some good uh, I, Tom, I swear to God, you like they're walking on a wooden sidewalk of a western town. Yeah. You you hear the keys as the jail door is opening. I mean, cop, cop, seriously, cop, cop. incredible foley. I mean, and and also by that time in the fifties, uh, sound recording had really you know tape recording had really achieved a level of yeah. sophistication that you didn't have in the 1930s when you know you had the guy with the cat pistol right next to the microphone <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> but it's no honestly Gunsmoke and, and in fact Jeff Darrow and I have talked about Jeff's a Jeff's a big western fan yeah. and, and we gotta we, get Jeff Darrow here to, to record with yeah, us okay. well, yeah. I, I saw you uh, tweeting a, a certain comic book creator who yeah, I won't I think, name I think, well, you know, sounds I think, like she's uh, yeah, Jill Thompson I think, oh, okay. I, 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 think, I think Jill's gonna come sit in with this soon but yeah i think jeff would well, i think jeff would come in yeah i mean there you go and i'm sure i would love to see and it's certainly shaolin cowboy mm-hmm. we should get yeah, jill so and I'm, jeff on the same show oh you don't want to oh no you want to <laughs> spend time with both of them man but no jeff would definitely like go nuts and i'm sure jeff would love to draw a jonah hex or you know even the marvel you know two gun kids and and mm-hmm. various creative <laughs> characters interesting that marvel hasn't really been able to you know they've tried. Yeah. I mean, guys like Chuck Dixon have written very good westerns within the last ten to fifteen years, yeah. and for whatever reasons, Marvel doesn't seem to be interested in maintaining a westerns are Western. tough. Yeah, they're well, it, it, it's a, it's a tough sell. What I was, want, the, what was I, the Vertigo book? Was that Loveless? I, I never. Yeah, read. is that yeah. Awesome? And you know, I like Loveless, mm-hmm. and it's a little grittier than uh, what what Jimmy and and uh, mm-hmm. Justin do in Jonah Hex, and it's a little more real. And I'm trying to even like. Like I'd almost say Jonah Hex is like kind of John Ford to yeah. uh, their Sergio Leone, I would say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. L- Loveless was dealing with um, uh, post-Civil uh, War, yes. uh, the, the post-Civil War South. So you're dealing with a lot of, you know, uh, white-black relations, and, and it, it was it was, a, it was but, a nasty, a nasty Western. And the politics of the time, too, uh, Reconstruction and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. No, and, and I, God, I love the way uh, Azarello ended that book, and just yeah. really how this man, you know, came out of prison to a world that had changed and left him behind and really was kind of not only, you know, lost, but really mm-hmm. like 
hopeless, I mean, loveless and hopeless at the end of his story. And really, you know, things didn't look good. It was yeah. not a happy ending. You know, we, we look at this year as, as we're kind of winding down 2009. It, it's been a good year for genre books. And um, I, I was thinking on the on the drive up here about some of the really, really good World War II comics that have mm-hmm. come out this year. Now, uh, Tom, you're you're a fan of uh, Garth Ennis's uh, Battlefields. Yes, I am. Which was fantastic. Yes, I am. Uh, I just I just finished reading uh, Storming Paradise, which is uh, Chuck Dixon, yeah, the aforementioned and Butch uh, Geis, Chuck Dixon and Butch Geis. Really good year for World War II comics. Yes, it was. Uh, There's some really good stuff that came out. Uh, and Billy Billy Tucci, yeah, Billy uh, Tucci Sergeant Rock Sergeant was fantastic. Yes, of course, I love Storming Paradise because um, also uh, it's about. What would have happened if the uh, atomic bomb hadn't worked and we had mm-hmm. to go proceed with the land invasion yeah. of Japan? And my dad was in basic training for Operation Olympia. He would have been there. And huh? would have been there. And I, I always remind my sister of that and say, you know, there's a good chance we wouldn't have been alive because yeah. much like D-Day, you know, he was infantry. He would have been infantry. Well, yeah. well they estimated that we would have lost about 100,000 troops. If a conventional uh, land invasion invasion, uh, of Japan, and this this book, Storming Paradise, by uh, by Chuck Dixon and uh, and Butch Geis from uh, Wildstorm, kind of details. It's kind of a you know fictional history of what would have happened. Really. Really compelling, and I read this. I had put it off. I, I read this after uh, the um, World War Two HD. Had you watched mm-hmm. that? Yes, on, on the History Channel. It's fantastic. Oh my god, it was so good. Yeah, um, and also by the way, as we mentioned, Chuck Dixon and talking about westerns, he's taken over uh, Dynamite's what started as Man with No Name, but then they got smart and said, "Oh, let's name it after the movie because people might not know yeah. that it's yeah. the same character." But yeah, it's now called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I would say that what uh, Brubaker has been doing for crime in Criminal, Chuck continues to do for Westerns in The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. Uh-huh. And it's one of Dynamite's best books. And again, if you're looking for more Westerns, Chuck has got it. Got you I was going to say the way that they wrote um, Starring Paradise was almost like a disaster oh, movie. Yeah. You know, where yeah. it was bunch of different characters all over the place. Well, what well, happens the, to everyone? The, you yeah. know, um, alternating vignettes of yep. what's yeah. going on. Yeah. My my only my only uh, criticism of Storming Paradise is that yeah. it was six issues. Yep. I think it would have been better if it was a ten or twelve issue series because there were things that happened to those characters that they they stuck at me and it hurt. But if there had been a little bit more time with the character development, it would have really twisted the knife. You know what wow. I mean? I think we'd still be waiting for issues. If I mean, yeah. you know, and, and I love Jackson Geist, but uh, you yeah, know. yeah, I, and I loved it. You know, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed it, but I felt like it needed a little bit more um, space to breathe. Uh, you remember uh, Winds of War? Sure, loved it. Herman Wook, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Win- Winds of War was, uh, you know, for our younger uh, listeners like Hank. Have you ever it seen a novel before? Nope. It was the, 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 series, the Winds of, of War. No. Uh, a big TV event. There was a, a big long miniseries, kind of in the, Bob the kind of like in, in, in the ilk of Roots. You yeah. Know? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a miniseries. Yeah. Um, it, it was a great novel. Uh, Herman Wolf, Herman uh, the Winds of War. The, but it was a, a very, very long, uh, in-depth um, uh, miniseries. Uh, I remember it. Uh, it was in high school. I think it was coming out, and it was noted for being the first time on uh, network TV that you saw frontal nudity. Frontal nudity. Yeah. Woo. Hot man. 
Um, yeah, and, a, and uh, a very graphic depiction of the Holocaust as well. In Winston. well, that was uh, the frontal nudity. Is yeah. that they oh, were they, they were that's hurt, not hot. Yeah, yeah, they they were that's hurting, not yeah, <laughs> sorry, no, yeah no. Hurt, hurting naked Jews into gas chambers. So yeah. I mean, it was, wow. it was. But this was on network TV. But glad anyway, you told me that now because yeah, I yeah, got <laughs> it for some But you know, Winds of War was fantastic, and Storming Paradise kind of reminded me of that in the scope of that. You know that that miniseries. It was in the novel was written that it was these vignettes of, of different characters and different scenes through this world war and and I thought Storming Paradise needed a little bit more air space. In, in it yeah I wanted it, to it, have more space. The, I, I wanted to see you know like the tail Much like Hitler yeah. you wanted it to have some elbow room some breathing room <laughs> yes <laughs> but no I, I, it, it was fantastic right. it, it's just one of those I wanted maybe another three or four issues I, I wanted more and I think that's um, um, more? Uh, I think I think I think that's a credit to how good it was you need to find your Chamberlain Richard to appease you, or by Richard Chamberlain. <laughs> your Richard Chamberlain, uh, exactly. Ah, <laughs> your Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, Neville Neville Chamberlain. I was going to say Richard Chamberlain. And we're on to a entirely speaking of miniseries, yeah, yeah, exactly. an entirely different. Uh, you know th- what the Thornbirds. Thornbird, Shogun, Mike. He was the king of miniseries. <laughs> the king of the TV miniseries. Exactly. H- Hank's just like, oh my gosh. Is yeah, this is sorry. Sorry. yeah, sorry, kid. It's all right. <laughs> all right, so that's enough of, of World War II and, uh, and lost miniseries. Sorry, am, I stealing from, am I stealing from your pile? Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, Blackest Night uh, Flash, and I'm glad, Tom, because we rarely get a chance to really talk about stuff like this. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I've been yes. enjoying uh, Rebirth, Flash Rebirth, yeah. and I'm, I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I'm, I'm very excited by what this story uh, is, st- where it's starting, but by the same token, I'm a little disappointed because... Uh, finish it. Yeah, it's a little spoiler-rific. If you're uh, waiting for the end of uh, Flash Rebirth, uh, you're, you're kind of getting a lot of the facts yeah, in here. Yeah, well, eh, sort of. I mean, the dead body of Thawne is really... You know that Thon's life is always going to end since he's a time traveler at the point when Barry snaps his neck, you right. know, in 19... The, back in, in 85 or 84. R85, yeah. 83 probably was a, that trial took like oh, okay, two that's fucking a, years. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right about that. I forgot yeah, about that. Okay, the trial took two years, so... I, kind of. I mean, it, I think I, I like Rebirth the, is separate from the fact that it's like they've kind of moved on and just had the flash and a bunch of stuff which I he's been good in oh yeah. Stuff, okay, yeah. So well, yeah I'm okay with that well and also this really and that's why I'm excited about it and let's let's stick with let's accentuate the positive and I would say that it's great to see Barry back and where the story seems to be going as well the rogues are of course involved in Scott, Scott. I, I, I see I, I think the misconception is that this is a, a follow-up to flash rebirth I see this as kind of a extension of final crisis rogues revenge well I, I was gonna say be, exactly yeah. I, it yeah. definitely is no I think there are threads of that and of course obviously it being a blackest night tie-in there's that as well but that's where I am excited because just as it's great to see Barry back it's great to have the rogues back and the threat of Barry out there for them to deal with as and, well. And uh, Black Lantern <coughs> Solovar. Oh. Absolutely, oh, man. So good. <laughs> so sad. Very sad. Well, and again, that's okay, now, one of those now, perfect relationships um, that, yeah. to, to hurt Barry with. Tom, uh, John, catch me up. Solovar, how did he die? He, oh God, it was a couple years ago where he got assassinated by Grodd. It was like... Uh, Makes sense. I kind of figured Grodd right I like, didn't know. I think it had something to do with JLA, Jail Ape. 
It was right before. It was like right before. Tom versus Jay Gr- Grodd had uh, Grodd had Solovar assassinated, I believe, at some point, and then Solovar's son is in That's charge right. He's of, he's yeah. in charge of Gorilla City. Yes, yeah. uh, Solovar's son is in charge of Gorilla City. Lamont, so. the Lamont Sanford of uh, Lamont, Gorilla City. Yeah, Lamont Lamont <laughs> Solovar. Dummy. Lamontar is the. Uh, <laughs> Is in charge of uh, of Gorilla City. Uh, the, the, he picked up the mantle. Yes, uh, for Solovar. But uh, it was interesting to sort of see. Did you notice my great temples kind of resemble Solovar? Is that like my hair gray out? John, you've always, bit? John, you've always had. Whenever I think of you, I always think of the much esteemed leader of Gorilla City. I always <laughs> think of the way when you come lumbering in, I just do. like John. Son, at some point we all become silverbacks. I, I, yeah, I know exactly. You're gonna, you're gonna become a silver bar. Bow your head, like uh, it was, Michael Clark Duncan and Pound of the Air. Yeah, it was fun to read the part. You know, just sort of explaining how Barry was good friends with Solovar, and then oh, you yeah. see the it the broke his, it, br- it broke his heart. And it was like oh, yeah, to see Solovar come well, back, and, and also to see Barry fighting the if not urge the the whatever forces you know making these guys turn into Black Lanterns. Yeah. I also so, thought. It was a unique. Most of the time, when you've seen the Black Lanterns, they just sort of come back and like taunt them. Yeah. But so the Solovar one had a very different approach to it, where he was help me. Yeah, he was like begging Barry to help him. Even yeah. Though there's nothing that Barry can do to bring, you know. But Barry's got doubt in his mind because he's is this how um, Reverse Flash comes back? You know, why is Reverse? You know, like is this. Uh, how things happen? Is there a way to save Solovar? Is there something I can do to and, help him? And the, yeah, it's it's, it's heart wrenching. And the really tease is. the tease we're getting in issue one, we don't really get much of it, but certainly we know that uh, some dead rogues are coming, and they're right there on the uh, in the big splash <laughs> it, page. It, here. It, it's so it's such a, a lot great, of dead it's rogues. A, it's such a great comic book convention to list the live rogues on one page and the dead rogues on the other. And, and, and yeah, awesome. I mean, you're going to have uh, the Golden, Golden Glider. Glider. That's uh, which is one snart's sister. That's yeah. right, Captain Cold's sister. You got, um, the original Mirror Master. You got Rainbow Raider. Sam Scudder, which I forgot his name was Scudder. Sam, That's Sam awesome. Scudder. Uh, you got and uh, Roscoe Dillon, the top. Rich, I love the top. I've the original always loved. trickster. Yes, yeah, Je- James Favorite. Jesse, who became a good guy, and of course, uh, well featured in Fifty uh, in or Countdown. actually Countdown, yeah. and really the one of the few. Storylines of Countdown that I actually liked yeah. was them kind of you know shackled together. Who was he? Who was he? Piper. Oh, that's right, Piper. Piper. That's right. And of course, Digger Hawkins, the original Captain Boomerang. Mm-hmm, yep. I certainly hope he face, faces the uh, current, at, at least Deadshot, if not the entire Secret Six. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, it was sort of interesting because I, this issue was. I th- I'm going to be kind of interested to see how they wrap up all the threads in two other issues because they introduce a lot of stuff. And the first issue of uh, the rogues having to deal with all the dead rogues, you know. True. I, the one thing, and it, and mm-hmm. based on my conversation, and it, and it'll have already been out, I think, by the time this airs. But when Ruck and I were talking about Blackest Night, a uh, uh, Wonder Woman, and in that first it, issue, very interesting parallel between these two. Yeah, because there's like unfinished business, much like in this in this issue with with Wonder Woman and Max Lord. And I I even talked to Greg about that because not knowing where the next two issues of Blackest Night Wonder Woman were going to go, I'm like, oh, is this your? I'm like, you know, you wrote the story of of mm-hmm. Wonder Woman killing Max. Here's a really good opportunity to kind of really. 
play yeah. in that milieu and find out, you know, some revisit that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and resolve it and resolve it at least for Diana or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is a good opportunity. And he said, yeah, that kind of isn't going to happen because he said what you see in issue one is pretty much it. And it's again, it's that tug of war between serving the bigger story. Yeah but also telling its own story as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, and obviously the fact that Jeff is writing this might make it easier, but, uh, you know, Greg Greg was able to address some things in that Blackest Night Wonder Woman. He seemed to think that there's still more to say, but he even doesn't know what I think DC's policy is in terms of where that murder is in Diana's... Uh, I, I, uh, I, think, I think there will always be something to say with, with that... With that particular part of Wonder Woman and Max Lord's relationship and what she had to do, but but um, uh, Blackest Night Flash and Blackest Night Wonder Woman, they lead into the events that happen in Blackest Night Number Five, right? And I think that's where these series pick up. So I, you know, I, I'm okay with them kind of leaving that hanging. I mean, that's going to be something that is going to be a part of Wonder Woman's legacy for a long time if they choose to address it. I'm starting to get the feeling that maybe it's kind of like Mary Jane and Peter Parker's baby that uh, never really got resolved in the Clone War. You know, the Clone uh, but, saga. but but I think Greg is, is pretty open about saying, you know what, she is a warrior, and she would, she did the right thing. Oh, sure. for her, and I think that will be a theme that that will be revisited over and over again. And I'm. I'm okay with that. But I kind of and, – and not to divert from The Blackest Night Flash but to stay on Wonder Woman for a second. I'd like to see her have that conversation with, with Bruce and Clark and say, look, this is why I did it. Yeah. Get over I, it. I think they understand that. Well, Bruce, I don't know. Bruce, because, Bruce, Bruce does more than, than Clark does. Well, they, well, then she needs to have that conversation with Clark maybe because and, – and again, I have a feeling that maybe the powers that be are saying, yeah, no, let's move on. Yeah, and and I mean because because each month that it gets further away, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. Completely agree for for her to say, you know what, you are you are everything that is good about us. But you know what, sometimes it's it's the Jack Nichols, it's Jack Nichols. Right, you need me on the wall. Yeah, yeah. There are walls that need to be protected, and you don't like to look at it, but I have to be there. Well, the other thing too is, and and Greg has been very eloquent saying this in conventions. She did it because. She loves Clark, and not in the yes. sense that you yes. know she is in love with Clark, but that she loves and and cares about Clark. And it was like it was a no win situation. She needed to be on that wall, and and, and and almost and I almost again wish that Lois that Lois could be in that conversation as well because mm-hmm. that's another thing that Greg I think postulated that she would tell Clark. And I thought he, it was, she did it because it was, she loves thought, you. Idiot. I thought it was fantastic whenever Max Lord. As the Black Lanterns do, look at at people in the emotional spectrum, and when you would expect um, Wonder Woman or Diana to to be filled with hate, she's filled with love. She yes. does things because she she is filled with love for what is good. Right. And she's fighting. Yeah, she's fighting the right battle for the right reasons and stuff. Yeah, yeah. For, for love and not yeah. for hate. And and I thought that I thought that you know some. Sometimes Greg can be very heavy-handed with, and people know that I think that Greg is a fantastic comic book writer. <laughs> yeah. But I think sometimes he can be a little, a little heavy-handed in in hammering a point home. But I, I thought that that was one moment where it's like, okay, we need to define this character that her motivation comes from a love of life and humanity, and this is everything that she stands for. And As, I thought that was awesome. I don't know what sales. You know, Wonder Woman has had really in the last 
you know, I'm going to even go back five years, but I will mm-hmm. say that really from Rucka to Heinberg to Gale, uh, they've had three very good creators who understand the character and mm-hmm. have shown different sides of the character. And what you just described about what Greg brought to Wonder Woman, I think, is is very true. And still, it fits in with what Gale is currently doing with the character as well. So, yes, and I think that I, I hope that what Greg fears was just casual and hasn't, you know, isn't a real DC edict. I think the character is strong enough to face those kinds of realities. And for the audience, I think, is strong enough to face yeah. those realities and just say, yeah, you know something, it's fine. And then when you make the Wonder Woman movie, feel free to ignore it. That's fine. But for the readers of the comic book and stuff like that, it would nice to be, it'd be nice to see an adult version of Wonder Woman sure. that has that stuff. Yeah. She snapped his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to talk to you. I haven't read comics in like four months. But that's okay because, well, I mean, you've <laughs> been busy going with school. ladies in college. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. So <laughs> you you are now an aspiring uh, uh, filmmaker. There are tons of comic book movies that have been made in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, a, a, as a film student, is there what, what kind of discussions have you guys had as as film students? Is, is this in the conversation? It or, is. It, it is. is when okay. um, I we I have one film teacher that's been teaching at Columbia for like thirty five years. Okay, and you know he 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 shows us the, the movies he shows us every week are you know like the forties and fifties movies you know the mm-hmm. the thirties movies and we were talking about modern we were t- we, we someone brought up Lord of the Rings and he just like brushed it off and we're like oh well what you know he never he never brings up movies. Um, that he values from like even the, like the '90s, and we, so we were just talking about modern movies, you know. And the first uh, he brought up uh, Tarantino, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson, Darren Aronofsky, and comic book movies. Like it was the fourth like big big thing to happen. Sure, sure. Since, and I think Aspen. Yeah, yeah and uh, I, every, everyone everyone says the same things. There is you know if it's if it's done well and taken seriously, I mean, or done the way that it's supposed to, like. Like, like Chris I, Nolan with the yeah, everyone, everyone enjoys the Chris Nolan movies, but also everyone loves the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies. Sure, sure. just because they're just such fun movies. Well, I heard Coppola complain that you know he said a lot of the big blockbusters that are being made now, he basically called them carnival rides, and he said that it's tough for him to kind of make the movies that he certainly was making 35 years ago, 40 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, but now, uh, you know, to try and do a, a, a serious adult drama, you know, it goes against the, the movie-going audience, which is basically 16 to 34. Uh-huh. And that's what Hollywood is catering to. I mean, twi- look at the cast of Twilight, and that'll yeah. give you exactly what Ooh, you want. Ooh, hunky werewolves. You know, without a shirt. <laughs> without Shirtless werewolves. Jean shorts. But no, uh, but honestly, it's... Uh, and also, the, the economics of movies are changing. And it's so weird that... All the little art house studios and 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 boutique studios seem to not be able to get the funding that they once had. Um, Fox Searchlight, Fox went, Searchlight, they uh, went out Param- of business. Paramount Vantage, yeah, and and uh, Warner Brothers uh, arm as well. Mm-hmm. The one that did Good Night, Good Luck. I mean, they're all kind of shuttering those divisions of of the indie films and the and the the small dramas 
they're 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 closing them up. Yeah, it's just the direction that film is going in. I mean, and interesting, the television seems to be picking up the slack. Yeah, and that that's where you're getting the complex drama. The and H- certainly the, the HBO complex, Showtime. Shows. Yes, and the season long stories. And mm-hmm. that's what's more interesting is we're going from the two hour story to the twelve hour story it, that's being explored in in television. But yeah, I mean, it's how do you reconcile the 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 carnival ride? That Coppola describes with with real you know visual filmmaking like yeah, like a drama. Tarantino with yeah, you know drama. Yeah. How do you do it, Hank? How, yeah, do I yeah, do yeah. It? How are you going to do it, Hank? How are you going to do it? I'm going to re- you're revolution. Our future. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, you're our future. No, but honestly, yeah. What do what do, do the what do the professors say about? Well, I mean, uh, there there I have a I have two film teachers, and one is a 28 year old, and one is a 65 year old, and. The sixty-five-year-old is very pessimistic. I mean, he's he's very negative. Yeah, I mean, he's very negative, and he, he sees no hope. And he, he, he just says, he brings up Twilight like every week. You know, he brings up the Transformer. He's like, you guys want to make movies? You know, like um, you want to uh, make Transformers? <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah. make Transformers? Yeah, he's like, but it, you know, there's something to be said when it does do over two hundred million. He's like, those are the movies that are making money. Those are the movies that are going to mm-hmm. continue to get made, I and mean, it is a commercial business. But, but, you know, but, but for every Transformers, there's a Juno. Yeah, Juno made like over two hundred million dollars. Right, yeah, right. But it's a fantastic but, movie. But for every Juno, there's a there will be blood. That is a fantastic movie. It's, Wonderful. It movie. sank a studio. Yeah. I mean, it's just people really are, did it. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. people are. I mean, what was, was that studio? Which studio? Was it was it? Paramount Vantage. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had those no are they're they're not showing up to see those movies. I mean, yes. No, you're right. Well, in Paramount too, I know specifically had trouble where they had to like cut a fourth of their movie slate mm-hmm. because the investors mm-hmm. all took a hit from the financial collapse. Mm-hmm. And it's like the money's not there. Mm-hmm. Something's got to give. And no, we're not going to cut Star Trek. Sorry. Yeah. We yeah, are going to yeah. cut the little movies. Yeah, exactly. Or, or the well, ambitious what, movies. Like, yeah, what, which, is, which is fascinating because it's the little movies that don't cost that much money. Well, exactly. exactly. Well, and there was even an initiative, and I don't know if you've studied this yet, but I remember hearing this in film discussion, that a lot of studios in the 90s really like made a pitch of, let's make $10 million movies. That are affordable. That's, that's when I, I mean, Pulp Fiction cost fifteen million dollars. Exactly, over one hundred and fifty or something. And and there's a ton of these movies that still haven't made their budget back yet because nobody went to see them in the theater. Mm-hmm. So what I what I wonder about, sorry, well, no, what I ahead. wonder about too is um, when, and I'm sure it's going to happen within the next ten to fifteen years, when the first long full length thing appears online. And, and online only. Well, just at least at, at least that's how it first like like a viral video. That's where we become aware of it, as opposed to it being released in the theater. Because the good news is technology is making it easier, not only for you to make good student films, but I mean, you know, the red, <laughs> the, the you know, that's what I'm, you know, honestly, it's it seems like we're going to get a lot of good guerrilla film filmmaking. Imagine if you had to carry film around. Okay, the, 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 this this <laughs> is, this is the scene, and I was. Who I was thinking of was was Don Glute, and I go to to Hank's friend's dorm room. Tell people who Don mm-hmm. Glute is who don't remember. Oh, uh, Don, yeah, Don Glute, um, great uh, indie filmmaker, wrote a bunch of uh, what if uh, stories for Marvel, but uh, uh, is known as a, as is kind of a. I remember that interview. He was on the show. Yeah. Like Had his career in both comics and in film. Yeah, jumping uh, out of moving cars. Uh, yeah. Back yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, eight millimeter films. Right, you and, know, and yeah, and his it, student films were all sixteen millimeter. Yeah, little, you, you need you need films. to watch these films, Hank. Yeah. But um, you know, so I go to yeah. Uh, Sal and, and Norton and I, and, you know, are, are 
is sitting in for for Hank's first student film, and we go to a friend's um, dorm yeah, room. Yeah, dorm. Yeah, yeah, dorm room. And there are three Mac laptops and an HD uh, JVC HD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple boom mics and a couple lights. And I'm looking at the playback on this. I'm like. Oh, he's got a fucking movie studio here in this fucking college That's dorm. Great. That's great. It, and and he's gonna have he's gonna have you know stereo sound, probably shit five point one sound, of mm-hmm. uh, HD filming. It's 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 a high end HD video camera. It, it, terrible talent, obviously. Yeah. You know, with us. Oh, look at that waste. <laughs> just waste. But you can CGI you that the shit money, in. You know, and, and, and so, and you so, and, 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 and what was what was awesome is that we're sitting there and we're we're sitting at a, it, it, it's a gambling scene. We're sitting at a poker table, and I'm sitting right by a tea stand that has mm-hmm. the light mm-hmm. um, that is lighting this whole scene. And one of the guys that you go to school with is like, you're like, okay, is the T stand, you know, in the frame? And and your buddy that is is helping you edit this is like, that's fine. I can take that out in Photoshop, and the scene <laughs> yeah, will be fine. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, they're, they're taking things that are in this scene, and they're just gonna wipe them out, and mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna make this, you know, everything is basically green screened. Yeah, we um the the windows in the dorm. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole wall that is facing the city is floor-to-ceiling windows. So we wanted to black it out to make it look like a basement. So we took garbage bags and we covered the whole window. We, you know, we got like thirty garbage, like double-thick garbage bags. Yeah. So, so it it acted, and we t- it put black tape over the duct tape that we used to connect it. So it was, it, yeah, it was a green screen. And, and, and so you know, uh, you know, I was I was going back and and thinking about the conversations we had with, with Don, where where he would take individual frames of film and adjust them and do Color different them. things with them and 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 his editing techniques you know basically darkroom techniques and what you guys are able to do digitally now mm-hmm. it, it, it it's amazing chris it, has uh, an afro in the movie yeah, awesome that, that you that you've done you put it in post-production <laughs> yeah, i forgot fantastic. to tell you but <laughs> have you seen online uh youtube has had a lot of uh film student films that are based on comic book scenes. And in fact, at wordballoon.com, I, I, I even, I've set up a page, and I, I call it Comic Fan Film Festival, uh, because it was just from seeing random tweets from Jason Aaron and Bendis saying, oh my God, a bunch of students did a Jessica Jones interrogation scene. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was really good. And there's a scene from the very uh, first issue of Scalped that was shot and Jason is like hey this is kind of cool and yeah it's a student film but it was done pretty well and yeah. and you know I, I'll, I'll be interested if you use uh, any comic book uh, scenes as oh, inspiration are, are, are you going uh-huh. to is that is that um, anything I, 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 you should speak, speaking of Alex Robinson maybe I, I a Greg Rucka maybe something from perhaps Greg I, I, Queen I, I, Country, a little Queen perhaps. Country Queen, I've never read it <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> what is Seriously? <laughs> it looks so boring. Dude! It's black and Dude. white. I'm kidding? No. Uh, no, no but I just haven't gotten around to it. But, um, what? No, seriously. I've never read Beyond, beyond the superhero on. stuff, Come obviously. Ser- I've, ne- I've well, seriously never read it. You can't read it now. Yeah. To satisfy your interest. Stop the clock. You're going to read it and we'll come back later. We're going to stop the recording so that for the next six months he can catch up on Queen and Queen. No, I was actually thinking about that recently because I finished I finished Tricked like a few days ago. Cool. I was like, oh, you know what? Something like this. Not only would I be injured. Of course, yeah, I'd love to make like a huge comic book movie. Yeah, but like I could do something like 
Tarot. box office poison tarot. or tarot. You could do <laughs> tarot. No, would be awesome. No, that's something else. Tarot. Yeah. Yeah. everybody. You you could do Queen and Country. I could There's do, your full I could do Jinx. You want to rent there, huh? Thomas? There you go. I could do Jinx. Was you what could, I was looking right. Uh, exactly. That'd be really fun to do. Criminal. I'll I'll give you more choices. It's Brubaker criminal, criminal, criminal. How stuff. about um, Queen and Country <laughs> Mouse uh, first volume? Just make it just for Chris. Perhaps. Chris would want to get in on it. Chris is going to want to play a Terra Chase, though. <laughs> the it's, it, you know, right, honestly, so we got this wig. Uh, you know, and I'm not, and forgive me, I'm not trying to just pimp my site because I do. I, I put a couple of them up there, but really, like, search around YouTube if you don't want to come. No, no, that sounds like a no. It sounds like a really good idea. I mean, really need stuff over there. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people uh, at school talking about it, but I haven't seen them yet. But because um, you know, there's I'd also love to do something. Have like you, that. you know, powers. Well, that's why, and you know, I I was thinking too about when I was setting up my new pages for the for the new site. Like, okay, I wouldn't be. I would like to get some of the good comic book fan films that have been made, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, the good Sandy, ones. Well, honestly, and there aren't that many, but there are a few. Like Sandy Collar is Batman Dead End. That's excellent. Where Batman, mm-hmm. you know, fights uh, the Joker, the Predator, and that uh, is good. That is see, good. there yeah. you go. Yeah, the yeah. one I can think of is that uh, Lord of the Rings one. That those I haven't seen the, the, oh, the yeah. really big yeah. one. That yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that. That was one. crazy. A, I've seen half of it. Yeah. There's a Green Arrow trailer that I had never seen that oh, I was very impressed with, yeah. and I put that on the site. Um, but yeah, you know, and it's funny, you know, Sandy Cholera, the, uh, when they made Dead End, it was the year before, it was like 2004, and I started War Balloon in 2005, and I tried to get him on that first year, and he kind of blew me off. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, whatever. And that's cool, you know, whatever. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck him. But, I, but yeah, I got to be honest, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I don't think I need you on. You know, well, you and fuck you. <laughs> you know, but I well, still love the movie. Do you do you start to you know whenever you're reading comics now, Hank? And I know that I know that you're, I know you're a student, so, mm-hmm. so your your time is limited. Do you start reading comics with with an eye of how could this work cinematically? Always have, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I mean, oh sorry, uh, I mean, how how could I not? I mean, it. It, uh, every time I imagine it, it's, oh, how would I how would I shoot this? I mean, like it, you know, they have the shots there, but you know. And I, I've I've adapted mm-hmm. some scenes just to f- see how it feels, but it's something Ter- I'm so interested it's in. Terrible. It's harder to make into a movie than you would think. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we we, we mentioned uh, Criminal, but um, uh, Incognito, I think would sure. be Incognito. Incognito would be great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or Queen and Country. Or, or Queen and Country. Or, or World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. World of Warcraft. Man. We're doing a fan film of World of Warcraft. Watchmen. Uh, how Scott, do you like Watchmen? The book? Yeah. The no, 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 the, the, the movie. We don't care. What'd you, you think, think of this year's films? films? This year's superhero films. Uh, what was uh, this year? Was Watchmen? Wolverine Origins? Watchmen? Uh, I haven't seen Wolverine Origins. Okay. Uh, I saw Watchmen in IMAX, which was a big mistake. It, was, yeah. looked, it looked really bad in IMAX, but the movie was it was it was all right. I what mean, else? Uh, am I, are we missing anything? Um, White Out. Oh, that's well, right. I didn't, see, I didn't see White Out. Uh, surrogates. Sir, which I didn't get around to see, and isn't that funny? Yeah, both. I got to be honest. I, I still haven't seen White Out. They both kind of flopped. Didn't they? Yes, they did. Surrogates, yeah. yes, they really did. flopped. Yeah, yeah. And oh, White Out, White Out was pushed back like a year, wasn't it? Over oh, two, years, two years, over two, two years. years? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's all right. And you know, I mean, that's it's I, as I, as I told Greg, I'm like, you know, dude, when when you write, when you really write the script, as opposed yeah. to it being adapted from your material, then I will be excited. Just like when Johns was writing episodes of Smallville uh, or Vaughn was writing episodes mm-hmm. of Lost, Lost mm-hmm. it was time to get excited. But when, you know, when they handed to somebody else, and they and were it, good, we're and still, they were good. Well, and I think, and you might feel the same way, Hank. I think that the studios are starting to wise up to the yes. fact that we really need the people that write these stories mm-hmm. to be involved, and that's why it's great that Marvel has. 
their creative yeah, team. Yeah, the Marvel Studios, yeah. Yeah, that literally does go out there. And, and you know, God, Bendis has been writing about and talking about being Thor. on set for Thor and, mm-hmm. and how impressed he is. Fraction's been telling me about how he's been involved with Iron Man 2. I mean, that's the good news is that they really are going and, to the experts and saying, help us. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us, give yeah. us, give us honest suggestions. And so Bendis was huge on Iron Man, the first yeah. one, right? Yeah. And and it's funny because, and I didn't remember this, but Brian reminded me on a Bendis tapes about years ago when they were making that first Spider-Man movie. He and Stan got to do a similar sit down with the producers, and they they went to them and said, "Okay, do you have any input?" And at that point, Stan is like, "Hey guys, you take anything you want from my comics. You've got hundreds of ep- issues to look at. I gotta go. It's a pleasure meeting you. Take it easy." <laughs> Whereas Bendis, being the film buff that he's like, "Oh, I want to stay. I want to do this." And it's like, <laughs> and Bill Jemis, right? Yeah, I believe Jemis was there too. But they asked him like, "So what do you think?" And he's like, "Well, you got to give him more wisecracks to make fun of Willem Dafoe's goblin costume." Because, you know, it's kind of goofy looking. Mm-hmm, yeah. And their faces dropped and said, that costume costs $70,000. And he's like, so? well, it's still goofy looking. And, and, he, and, like, and at that point, I knew I made a bunch of enemies in the room. And it's true. And he's like, meanwhile, and he goes, it's true. Stan knew it was time to get up and leave. And he goes, and that's the difference between a veteran who's yeah. been in these meetings. But again, I think the tide is changing. But back then, no, I think it was still, you know. And I've heard that, too, about some of the other... The, the previous producers of Smallville holding uh, some of our uh, creator friends in a little bit of contempt and saying, yeah, that's really cute. Get those guys out of the room and let's get back to making our, our shitty comic yeah. book TV Everyone, have a fantastic rest of your week. Yeah. Of your is this the week of Christmas, technically? I think it is. Happy holidays. Happy, Happy Christ- holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa, Hansa, Kanaka. Whatever. Whatever you worship. I'm a druid. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be praying to a pile of rocks uh, later on this uh, week. So enjoy that. She's druish. Have a fantastic rest of your week and weekend. We'll be back again next week. I think Tom and I, we got to talk about whenever we're going to sit down and chit chat about comics over uh, the holiday yeah, break we'll here. We'll have to figure that out. It'll be good. Are you going to do a year end uh, show or anything No, we do that on the 11 O'Claskers. Oh, I did. Right. Okay, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll get you. What? Like, I don't have anything to say about the end of the year? Please. We'll we'll talk. I was going to do a special year end word balloon. Oh, oh, Mark, Festivus, Mark, Mark right. says happy Festivus. For the rest okay, of us. Our next recording. Remember may- which one of these shows is Not popular. Next, uh, Remember which one of the shows you're on is popular. <laughs> okay, what Positive was things. What were normal the, people. We'll, we'll have, normal people. Some, I always we'll say have, semi-normal people. You, me, you, me, John, and Hank will come over to my house. We'll watch Point Blank. Oh, no, he's setting up another mandate. Uh, I and, don't want to go on a mandate with you. Too bad. And we'll do our best of show. Okay. It'll be great. All right. All right. Oh, uh, watch my movie on YouTube. It'll be up on... Uh, when? Uh, What's the name of oh, it? Oh, it'll be up by the time this comes out. What's the name of it? 8th Street. 8th Street. Yeah. All right. I expect the URL Ape and we'll uh, direct people yes, at uh, roundcomics.com and wordballoon.com to your... Uh, 8th sure. Street. Yeah. Nice. Or we'll it, embed the movie I'm itself. in it. I look shocked at Very some shocking. point. And, Excellent. And he's drinking. 
Gee, uh, there's something. Yeah, big fun. Actual news. liquor. What are the odds? No, it was apple juice. Yeah. My favorite was what, he a couple weeks acting. ago. A couple weeks ago, and I forget what drink it was, and he goes, that's a good morning drink to have. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, put the fucking bottle down. All right, let's, let's finish this. Oh, my right. God. We'll, Temperance we'll, meeting coming. Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. We'll be back again it's next intervention. with another full-length episode. In the meantime. In, in the meantime. meantime. Thank you. We'll be everywhere in. And around. 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 Comics. Mandates. I don't want to go on that day. You're going to watch Payback? You're going to watch Point Blank? And then I don't want to go on a Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics, and this has been an Around Comics production, copyright 2009.